Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a fourth episode of the Red and Blue podcast. If you hear anything in the background, it is thunderstorming here on the 4th of July in Kent, Ohio. Woo! You got, we got our boy Monolithic here in the house. What's up, guys? We are back with the Red and Blue podcast. It's been a little bit of a break just because me and Olin were going to do a podcast halfway through the round of 16, but we just decided that day that, you know, it's probably better to let the rest of the round of 16 play out yeah. so that way we could give you a full preview and that way, so that way, eh, so that way we know that all the quarterfinal matchups that are set. So you haven't heard from me since uh, the group stage ended and since Germany got knocked out of the group stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, Andrew and Olam are making fun of me for after that happened, I basically just said, I'm just going to not check my phone for a little while. As a Brazil fan, you guys know 7-1 happened, and now they can't say shit, so it's great. I went, <laughs> I went zero dark 30 for that day just because I'm like, I don't need this in my life. So, Germany lost. Uh, I'm going to just let Graham handle this section of the podcast. I mean, Germany, <laughs> Germany clearly just did not have it, and they had not been playing. We're in not in form all tournaments. They were not informed pretty much since the turn of the year. Facts. They really struggled at the last part of qualifying in friendlies in 2018, going into the World Cup. And as a Germany fan, you're just thinking, you know, that's just some, that's just friendlies. It's not a big deal. It's going to be fine. But uh, it wasn't fine. <laughs> it, it did not, it did not turn out the way we anticipated it because Germany had that big upset against Mexico and, Mexico played well in that game. Honestly, Mexico vastly outplayed Germany. Germany saved themselves for the period with the Tony Kroos goal and the win over Sweden to control their destiny. All they had to do was beat Korea, and Sweden did the absolute worst thing possible to beat Mexico convincingly, and Germany fell apart and lost 2-0 to Korea. Two goals scored in the last two or three minutes of the game, and Germany bowed out of the World Cup. It's not specifically because of this reason, but I'm just going to bring it up. Why did Leroy Sané not play for this team? Facts. We both said it when before the World Cup started. Y'all heard it in the preview. Like, you saw the lack of pace and the lack of just being able to create inside. Yeah, creativity. Leroy Sané had 15 assists in the Premier League this year. So it's, he's not just a goal scorer. He's a creator, too. And he would have been the fastest player on the field at almost any period of time. It would have given, even if he hadn't have started, I'm not advocating for him to maybe start, but he could have come on later in the game, Thanks. especially when players were tired, and he could have run them off the field. Like, he could have run past anybody. And I'm sure he was sitting there like, hmm, they probably could use me right about now. Facts. There were certain players that played well. Tony Kroos played well. Manuel Neuer did it as best as he could. Kroos had a really good World Cup. I mean, you and Royce wasn't bad. Draxler wasn't bad. Mario Gomez actually was pretty impressive when he came in. He gave us some life. Which is surprising. Yeah, and this is his last World Cup, so Good for I'm him. glad that he – it sucks that he went out this way, but he played well on an individual basis, and I always have enjoyed watching him. But, I mean, Thomas Mueller didn't show up at all in this World Cup. He got dropped in yeah, which Korea is kinda, game. Which is sad for me because he's one of my favorite players. Like, he'll, he'll probably play Germany. well for Bayern Munich this year, but, like, he, he didn't show up at all. And, like, the defenders, like, Jerome Boateng had a bad World Cup. Yeah. And, like, our defense – and Nicolas Sula played pretty well. But, I mean, Hummels was very clearly upset, and he made it known in the 
after the games and oh yeah i forgot about that press conference like yeah. he he made it very well known that he was not happy with how this turned out and that he felt like they could have done better joaquin lewis still has his job which is surprising I, I don't know how he hasn't been fired yet yeah. maybe they're waiting to find a replacement for him you could there's plenty of replacements and good german coaches that you could bring from the german league to be the national team manager and clearly he didn't have this team ready to go he did last world cup he got them to a title but the World Cup, it's a cutthroat business. Like the World right. Cup is the biggest tournament in the world for these international teams. The year winning playing well in the Euros is one thing for a European team, but the World Cup is so much more. Yep. Like the Euros are big. This is times two or three. And when you don't make it out of the group stage as the defending world champions, which by the way, the fourth defending champion in the last five, to not make it out of the group stage. True. So it's like it's the curse. It's, it's a hangover, man. Like it it seems like you walk into the World Cup and like, oh, we can just run the same team back and it'll be fine. Okay, and it'll well, be totally fine. Yeah. Well, it's four years later and all teams those guys have studied are, you, first yeah, of all. All <laughs> those guys are older. And while experience is important, and Olam has said that, that experience matters. You need a combination of young guys who are hungry who can throw off the game plan. You guys were the world champs. You don't think that every team and their mom was studying your footage and how you guys played for the last four and years? They didn't play German and they didn't soccer. play. And they didn't play German soccer. The high press was not in effect. Nope. There was no. There was not that many great chances created. It was all crosses. It was on like, hey, we're going to run down the right side every fucking time. Yeah, Joshua Kinnick <laughs> was literally just like tasked with like saving the team and. He didn't play badly. It wasn't his fault, but they overloaded him with too many responsibilities. That that while he is good at that at the club level, and he did have some good chances here for for Germany. That's not his role. You have to be able to play it from both sides. You have to have midfielders that are able to bomb it in. You have to have guys that aren't just passing it around and holding possession, and then occasionally popping a thing over. There was the, and the good chances that they did create, a lot of them they didn't finish. Right. So. That's my rant about Germany. Germany bowed out. Got to give respect to Korea for playing the way they did. Mexico played well. It wasn't Germany's year, and that's just something you have, as a German soccer fan, that I've accepted and that you just have to figure out as you go along. Now, Germany made, didn't make it out, but we still had a World Cup to go through. Yep. We still had to go on and I watched as many of these games as I could if I didn't watch them I watched highlights or I went back and watched replays yeah same I couldn't obviously we have work schedules and stuff yeah uh, unfortunately because it's, it's in Russia I work a lot of the times when we're playing so I went back a lot of times afterwards and watched either the replay if it was a good game or I'd watch highlights just if it was a game that was just not as talked about as much so, so what we're saying is uh, just for commentary purposes, we've seen uh, highlights of most games if we didn't watch them. Uh, so we'll know most of what we're talking about just going into the round of 16 games. Uh, if there was something we missed, uh, one of us has seen it. Just so you guys know going in uh, about our commentary. Right. So we're going to go through uh, the death side of the bracket first. Because this year there is a very bit defined uh, sides of brackets. One side of the bracket was very heavily... Uh, populated with good teams, whereas the other side had a couple of good teams, but it really was more like surprises that made it out of their groups or surprise winners of the groups. Yeah, the way the the way the draw kind of came out this year uh, with winners and losers, um, the top side of the bracket is way more heavy, and we're kind of, we'll touch more on that later, uh, but yeah, it's way top heavy this year. So we're going to go, like we always do on the Red and Blue podcast, we're going to go from top to bottom. So... 
Uh, Portugal got knocked out of the World Cup. That's another big team yep. erased from the World Cup. Uruguay, another big team as well. Beat them two to one. And me and Olin were talking for a while, actually, before this podcast, and I started to think about it more. Uruguay's been playing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> like, they beat a good Portugal team. Uruguay's gonna Uruguay has been playing a lot better than I anticipated them to going into this. That's tournament. what I'm saying. Like out of and yeah, me and Graham were kind of discussing getting our rundown before, but I'm a big proponent for this Uruguay team uh, in the top side of the bracket. Honestly, out of the top side of the bracket, and yes, including my Brazil, I think Uruguay is in the best form out of the top. Uh, Their defense has been really out good. Of, out of the top. Everybody in the top. They've been playing defense. They've been uh, countering when they need to. Um, their midfields have been making runs. And their two main strikers have been finishing it off. Have been finishing. They're not predictable. They're a really good side. And they and honestly, out of the top side of the bracket, I think they're in the best form. Uh, they beat a really good Portugal side. Uh, Ronaldo missed the penalty. Uh, didn't really show up offensively. Uh, so that's a knock on my guy. He's the GOAT. Obviously, you expect more in the World Cup. Uh, so kind of sad to see uh, Ronaldo go out like that. Um, if I had to bet, I'd say he has one more World Cup in him just because he has he, 33? 33 or 32. But that being said, he had one of his best statistical years this year. He's kind of LeBron in that way, that he's playing really well at an older age. Uh, so hopefully he gets another World Cup. It'd be Cup. nice to see him have a fourth World Cup. Yeah, it'd be kind of sucky to see this make this uh, his last World Cup. So I hope he has another one. Well, we'll at least see him in two years in the Euros. I mean, we're definitely going to see him. I, we, me and Graham watch a lot of soccer. So obviously... Uh, on an international level. On an international level, we'll probably only see him in the Euros. And I hope he has another World Cup in him. But yeah, I mean, we'll see him in Real Madrid. And there's some other rumors right now that he might switch teams. We're not going to get too deep into that because that'll happen once we get into the... Near, near the end of the World Cup and the beginning of the Premier League season and the other seasons. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ronaldo getting knocked out is crazy. And the next match, same side of the bracket, Messi's knocked out. Yeah, so uh, next is the France-Argentina game. High-scoring game. Track uh, fucking track meet. <laughs> but, you know, 4-3. Uh, 4-3. Yeah, uh, France pulled it out. and Young guy coming up. Mbappe showed the fuck up. And all credit to France. You know, I – as much as I shit on France, and I will continue to shit on France, because um, I <laughs> At least don't. You're consistent. Because quite, because quite frankly, they're not in form. It was a track meet of a game. There wasn't a lot of defense played. This Argentina team was clearly going through a hangover from the last World Cup that we saw Germany go through. This Argentina team skinned by through the skin of their teeth, and they were not in form. This was a track meet of a game, and France. won. so credit to them because at this point in the World Cup, it's just about who wins. And four or three was really. It was cl- it made it seem closer than it was because it was four two until Sergio Aguero scored in the ninety third minute. Yeah, so, so it really was four two. But that being said, I don't want to take too much of how much they scored into account because there was not any defense. Well, being we know played. that France has <laughs> we know that France's attacking talent is high quality, and that's we got three of the four goals from Antoine Griezmann, one of the best players in the world for Atletico Madrid, and then Kylian Mbappe from PSG Paris Saint Germain scoring two goals and nineteen years old, the, probably the one of the best teenagers to ever play in the World Cup at this point. I think the only other teenager to score multiple goals in the World Cup was Pele. And that's, <laughs> for those who don't know, Pele is arguably probably one of the greatest two or three soccer players to walk this planet. Probably the best, but yeah. that, I'm biased. <laughs> that's what, And that's what I'm saying, like, just to make sure that For the listeners, for like, the listeners. Yeah. Doing something at 19 years old in the World Cup, especially on a team as loaded talent-wise as France, is... Incredibly important. Yeah. And again, it's going to sound like I'm shitting on France, but it's only because I'm shitting on France. <laughs> there was no defense played in this game. No. <laughs> Samuel Mtt and uh, Rafael Varane did not do a good job. I watched this game 
uh, replayed it, and I was just like, man, they're not getting back. They're not getting – They there was no defense on either side. Like, counterattacks were a big thing here, and then also just set being able to set people up and break people down. Like, the defenses were just completely out of sorts when it came to stopping these teams. And for me personally, I think it's rightfully so, just because of the attacking talent for each side. But at the same time, France going into the quarterfinals, playing Uruguay – they're going to have to do better than that. Or Uruguay with Edison Cavani and Luis Suarez and their unpredictability and the attacking talent, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And quite frankly, we were, me and Graham were picking our predictions. Uh, I think you picked France? I picked France just because I think that their attacking talent is so lethal that I think they can score enough goals. I'm not, And that, that means by no means am I saying they're going to be a great defensive team. Right. I think they can just outscore Uruguay. I'm picking Uruguay because Uruguay has been for me, the World Cup, it's all about form. And Uruguay has played tough teams, and they've played those tough teams the most convincingly out of any favorite in this World Cup. And quite frankly, y'all heard it on the last couple podcasts, I really don't trust this France team. Yeah, they're talented on paper, but have they ever have they put it together in the past couple World Cups? No, I don't want to use too much history because this is a new young team who's hungry, and I respect that, but at the same time, I really don't think this is their World Cup. Like England, I think they're a World Cup early. I'm picking Uruguay. Yeah, and honestly, if France loses, like I'm not going to be surprised. Like I'm not, I'm not super confident about picking yeah. France. I'm <laughs> picking them because I think their attacking talent and their midfield presence is so strong that they can weather a storm. It's really going to come down to mental toughness for them. Yeah, and they're young. Yeah, and they're young. Like Nicolo Conte and Paul Pogba are going to have to be big steadying forces for their team, and Hugo Lloris. Like they're going to have to be very good at settling that team down because they're playing a really good veteran Uruguay team. So next side, the next two matchups, they're going to be playing each other, but we're going to start Brazil, Mexico. Mexico was the darling coming out. They beat Germany. They made it out of the group stage, but they finished second because Sweden beat them so badly. Yeah. And they honestly should have played harder (laughs) because then they played Brazil and they lost two nothing. Probably should have won their group. Yeah. Because then you would have been able to probably make it to the quarterfinals. But you didn't, and you ran into probably the best team left in the tournament. Yeah. So I I watched this game, so I, I'm pretty – and I know Brazil, but Olam's a Brazil fan. He's known them for longer than I have. So just explain to me how this game went, because I know that there was a 51st-minute goal by Neymar and an 88th-minute goal by Roberto Firmino. Yeah. What sealed this game for you? What made this game at least more encouraging for you? As well, okay, so like Graham's uh, eloquently stated, we won 2-0. Um, against a good Mexico side, uh, came in not really in the best form, kind of in the worst form you could hope for going into a knockout game. That being said, Brazil handled their business. Uh, let me just go over these notes here. Um, so uh, against Mexico, the thing that really sealed it for me, I guess, was probably our presence in the midfield. Um, let's see here. And you played – four good midfielders and then brought on a fifth one later in the game with Fernandinho. So yeah. And steadying presence is helpful. Yeah. When we're, when, when you look at a Brazil side, the way we play with our fullbacks tracking forward, it's uber important that our midfielders are confident and they know the plays, they know when to track back. They know, uh, when to not be as involved up top, uh, when to give Neymar space, when to make runs, uh, these types of things. Um, so, our, our midfield form has really been great. Uh, Neymar has been bottled up for most of the tournament. That being said, our midfield has saved us. Paulinho, uh, Coutinho, they've been really strong inside. They've 
kind of been the steadying force that our defenders. Coutinho, I think, has been the best player for Brazil in this tournament. Yeah, no, quite either him or uh, what's his name, uh, Lozano. Yeah, have been, uh, in my opinion, have been the best. Uh, Lozano's really showed up, not uh, and has just made plays. Just made Lozano. He's he's okay. So. Uh, Are you sure you're not thinking about Mexico's? Lasano? Oh, I'm thinking of Mexico's Lasano, but he, he he showed up. He did show up. And, and he's he, got a bright future ahead of him. And he's got a bright future ahead of him. He had a great World Cup, so along with the goalie. He plays, uh, yeah, Ochoa. Ochoa. Uh, but uh, just going back to Brazil real quick, uh, Paulinho and Coutinho, I think, are the settling forces for this team. Uh, the Neymar goal, it was, it was it, I don't want to say lucky, but it was kind of lucky. Uh, it was a, it, it was... It was like an inside little, uh, what's it called, uh, mismatch, I guess you could say, uh, just to put it in like basketball terms. It was a mismatch inside, and Neymar did what he had to and buried it. Um, I guess going into going into the next game, uh, I was kind of expressing to Graham my worry about this team because as much as we've been winning and that's what's important, uh, we haven't really been in normal Brazil form. Um Marcelo's been out, and he's our steady fullback that uh, can track up. He is that steadying force for us in back because Brazil, we've never really been a strong defensive team, and Marcelo is really that calming force back there. Plus, so. no Alves, and then yeah, and, and, Dan- and Danilo hasn't been playing as well. Yeah, so you know, it, I, I'm I'm kind of worried uh, on that on that end. Uh, hopefully, I don't know how serious Marcelo's back injury is. Hopefully, he plays. Um, but if not, then that's that's a problem. Uh, just going to up top, uh, Jesus has been having a pretty good World Cup um, defensively. But offensively, he hasn't been connecting with Neymar as I would have hoped. Uh, Brazil, we're re- usually a team where our offense can carry us. Uh, two or three goals a game is what you would usually expect. And you can't really say you would expect that from this Brazil side. Defensively, we've been really good. Jesus... Usually, it's uh, it's the responsibility of a midfielder uh, on the outside to track back when a fullback uh, pushes forward and makes a run. Jesus has taken that responsibility as a forward, and he's been tracking back like nobody's business. So I, I credit him for that. At the same time, it leaves Neymar vulnerable. They're doubling up on him, uh, usually with a spotter. A spotter is usually you'll have one man marked up and then a spotter, usually like a center back or something, will just have his eye on him at all times. So if he gets the balls, the spotter can come help. And then there's two on. And sometimes three in this tournament. They played a weird formation in this game too. They played two two guys up front and four guys as a midfield. So maybe that explains some of Jesus having to track back so much, but there's not Brazil doesn't have that many def- midfielders that are defensive minded. A lot of their midfielders are offensive minded. Yeah. So it all like Casimiro's and Fernandinho basically rotate responsibilities as being that defensive presence. So you almost wonder, like, could you could you put in both of them and maybe bench a Willian or a Paulinho? Paulinho's been, and they both have been good. I'm not saying that it's because of their talent, but yeah. maybe to help with defensively a little bit better, so that way that allows Jesus to stay up more. Maybe, but the and we talked about this on if Jesus is tracking back defensively was tactical or if he's doing it because he's struggling on offense. Me personally, I tend to think that he's doing it because Pep makes him do it and that's what he reverts to. 
That being said, yeah, he's used to it in Manchester. He's used City. to doing that. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, he plays for Manchester City, and, <laughs> and Pep makes him do that a lot. I think he's reverting back to that because Pep has drilled that in his mind. That being said, nationally, we need somebody up there connecting with Neymar to take the pressure off. Uh, going back to the Mexico game. Uh, or not the Mexico game. Oh, yeah, the Mexico game. Going back to the Mexico game, Firmino came on, connected with Neymar a minute and a half in and scored. I'm pretty sure the goal was an extra time, so it was kind it was of... the 88th minute. Okay, so it was right before garbage time, so it was kind of... It sealed the game. So it sealed the game for us. I don't want to take away from it, but at the same time, at that point, Brazil had had a handle on the game, and nobody really thought Mexico was going to come back. So... Yeah, 21 shots, on, 21 shots, 10 on goal for Brazil, 13 shots for... Mexico only one on goal. So, uh, yeah. So at that point, um, it was kind of over. But that being said, Firmino connected with Neymar very quickly. And Neymar had a beautiful assist to Firmino, who put it in the back of the net. And it brought up questions in the media. I saw a lot of pundits talking about it on if uh, Jesus should get benched and we should start Firmino. Uh, again, it kind of is preference because, like we were saying earlier, we don't know if uh, Jesus tracking back is a product of it being tactical and that's what he's told to do or if it's because he's not being potent on offense uh if it's the latter then i think you should start firmino because this brazil side is good when our offense is good and offensively we've been kind of stagnant and uh and neymar's been boxed up for most of the tournament he only has two goals which is not what you would expect from somebody who is an offensive threat anywhere in the planet so that being said uh going into this belgium game we could be in better form. I think Belgium is definitely in better form than us. That being said, uh, Belgium is very offensively, uh, very offensive-minded. Uh, they play great in the midfield. Uh, Graham's boy, De Bruyne, has been a rock for them. Uh, so maybe Jesus starting and having that defensive mind will actually be a benefit for us. I don't know. So uh, I'm picking Brazil to come out. They're my team, obviously, but it's not going to be easy to beat Belgium. Well, that's a good transition because then we went to – Belgium and Japan, and boy, oh boy, did Japan blow this Woo! game. <laughs> Japan was up 2 nothing in the second half, and it was... Early second half, like 60-some minutes. Got and this two goals, like, back oh to back. Oh my gosh, Brazil's... Or Japan's going to get upset, going to upset Belgium. Like, Tournament favorite. And that would have made it easier for Brazil. They would have had to play Japan. No, Japan's clearly no slouches, but you'd rather take Japan over, Brazil, over Belgium. Obviously. And Belgium... Their first goal was a beautiful flicked header by Toby Anderfield. Their second goal was a really nice goal. And then the Lukaku dummy. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the very end, they ran this great play in stoppage time. Tabio Courtois got the ball. He threw it on the ground to his midfielder. They ran right down the field because they were in counterattack because the other team had everyone up trying to score that yep. goal, that equalizing goal, or that goal to put them ahead to win. They passed a perfect little uh, side pass between a defender over another Belgian player's, between a Belgian player's legs, lays it in, 94th minute, Belgium wins, 3-2. Yeah. Okay, so if you haven't seen the goal I, and you're in the soccer, I, I highly, think, recommend, highly it. recommend that you see it just because I want you to watch Lukaku on the play because Lukaku, it's a set play. A lot of people wouldn't know this, but Lukaku's running a dummy. So he, what his job is, is to run alongside the runner with the ball and that Trags the the center defender with Lukaku, not knowing that there's another uh, forward tracking behind Lukaku who is actually drawn up the play for. So uh, who was it? Who uh, crossed in the ball? 
What's it was Munier. So Munier, he knows this, or Luke, and Lukaku, being the dummy, knows this. So when uh, Munier crosses in the ball, Lukaku lets the ball run through, as opposed to taking the shot. He knows that two defenders are tracking on him because he's the dummy, and that leaves open. Uh, and he was wide open. His, and he, his name was. Let's get this right. It was Nasir Chadil. Chadil. Chadili. Uh, sorry for butchering the name, but it went perfect to him and all credit to him, he laid it in. Uh, if you're into soccer, that was a perfect dummy run by Lukaku. That's how you drag defenders with you, even if the, a play isn't drawn up for you. And Belgium offensively have been doing that all tournament. And most soccer games, like we've said, most game, in soccer, most of the time, it's a free-flowing type of fact. You pick, when you see a spot, you pick the opportunity and you go for it. This was designed. This, this is, is one of the few times. Designs. This is one of the few times that a des- that you're going to see a design play, and for a lot of the big themes of this tournament has been design plays, set pieces, a lot of those things where you can prepare for what things are going to happen. Because when Tabio Courtois, the goalkeeper, got the ball, he's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, I'm throwing it to you. You're running down that right side, Lukaku. You're going to stay up yeah. front. Uh, I'm forgetting his name already. Uh, Chadili, you're going to be behind. We're going to cross it in, Lukaku. Don't touch the ball." And we're gonna have a goal, and that, and again, uh, for people, the untrained eye who watch soccer, you, you'll be like plays, like it's not basketball, you don't run plays, but there are plays. You have set, you run, you work on these things in practice. There are set situations where, okay, if this happens, we get a counterattack. We're doing this. We're running this, and you run it for specific people like you would in any other sport. So. It was just a beautiful play uh, to seal the game for them. Uh, couldn't have done it any better myself, man. Like, it was it was beautiful. So that's, <laughs> that's the top half of the bracket. So we'll have Uruguay-France and Brazil-Belgium. Both fantastic games. Definitely the two best games of these quarterfinals. Nothing against the other two, which we're about to talk about. But You want to just do our picks for the top side of the bracket? Yeah, I mean, I said France, so I'll stick with that. I'm and, going Uruguay uh, and then Brazil, obviously. I honestly don't know. You could flip, a, you could flip a coin for okay. <laughs> Do we have a coin? <laughs> I'm going to theoretically flip a coin. All right, I'm going Brazil. All right. So Brazil versus France for me, Brazil versus Uruguay. I love Belgium. I think Brazil's going to pull it out either in extra time or in a very close regulation game. But uh, So now we're into the next side. This is the, this is the weaker side, but it's the weaker side because we've had some absolutely crazy upsets. Exactly. I think we have to stop talking about Russia <laughs> in a bad way. Yeah, okay. So if you listen to the podcast, and if you're listening now, clearly you do, um, we haven't really been putting a lot of respect on Russia's name. No, oh, we, we, didn't don't even, know. we didn't even pick him to get out of the group. <laughs> Nobody knows them. I don't know any other players. Graham doesn't know any other players. Yeah, we but have no idea. But holy balls, they're the surprise of this tournament, man. They beat Spain. They beat Spain. In penalties, but they beat Spain. But they beat Spain, a good Spain team, and that is no joke. Uh, With only they only had twenty six percent of the possession throughout the entire game, and they survived, made it to penalty kicks, and then penalty kicks are a toss up. Yeah, anything can happen. And honestly, that possession is almost more of a slight on. Spain, but they didn't score more. Exactly, because you would you would think with that much possess, uh, possession of the soccer ball, you would have more opportunities. And the fact that they didn't just goes to show how tough this Russia D is. Yeah, I mean Russia. I'm really impressed with how Russia has played. Like I don't know anything about their players, but I've been really impressed by how they they kept it together against a team that is vastly more talented than them. Yeah, they've taken. They lost to Uruguay earlier in the tournament. That was their one big game that they played. But then they came in the round of 16, and they upset Spain, which had had it not been for the Germany 
exit would have been the by far the biggest upset in this tournament. Russia's ranked like 76th in the world. Which and they beat, is going to change. And they beat a top five Spain team. Like, that's, that's <laughs> it's pretty insane. crazy. It's pretty crazy. Like, I don't, like, that's, that never happens. Like, soccer is kind of like basketball where, like, usually chalk is going to prevail. Yeah. Usually, not this World Cup. Not this World Cup. But Russia made it through. And then they're playing maybe my most favorite team to watch, Croatia. Croatia, Croatia made it into a, it over Denmark, again, on penalties. Which was that, if y'all saw that penalty shootout, was just so many misses, so many misses. Yeah, there's a lot of good <laughs> saves by both goalkeepers. But uh, we, we didn't even get to see these goals happen live because in the first minute, Denmark scored in the fourth minute. Croatia scored, and we turned it on with like ten minutes. Ten in. minutes in, and so, I'm like, "Oh, we missed all the action, and the rest of the game is boring." As yeah, fun. so we watched the rest of the game, and it was just no team seemed to really want to take it. Nah, they were really parking the bus. They were just like, "We need to just save it for extra time." And I thought, "Okay, extra time, they'll go forward." And there was a couple chances in extra time where you're like, "Okay, it looks like they might be trying to get this goal," and it didn't happen. They went into penalties. Some great saves by both goalkeepers, by Subotic and by. Uh, I'm forgetting the Denmark goalkeeper's name. I don't want to disrespect him because he yeah he, had, he had the save of <laughs> the game to that point where Croatia got a penalty late in the game and uh, their go- their captain Luka Modric, who is a Real Madrid player, one of the best players, midfield players in the world, had a penalty kick, and Denmark's goalie Schmeichel, Casper Schmeichel, who played for the Leicester City team that won the uh, that won the Premier League title had saved it, and it was massive at the time. It had given all the momentum to Denmark. Yep. But then you got to penalties, and the better team won out. Croatia was able to win. Modric was able to exercise his demons. He made his penalty kick. And Subotic, the goalkeeper of Croatia, made two really good, three really good saves to win the game. Denmark played a really hard game, but shout-outs to, uh, shout to Croatia. They're through. They're going to play Russia. Usually you'd say Croatia's going to win the game. I don't really know because <laughs> Russia keeps making it through somehow. Uh, probably going to pick Croatia there. Yeah, sorry, Russia. I'm picking Croatia. Look, if you keep winning, <laughs> if you win again, you. then I'm picking you. Yeah. But right now, I'm sorry. I'm going talk. Yeah, I'll make a promise. If you beat Croatia, I'm going to pick you whoever you play the next uh, game. No, facts. I don't care if it's England or Sweden. I'm picking yeah. you, Russia. So. We're gonna make it to the so we're getting to those next final sixteen games. I didn't get to watch this game. Sweden, Switzerland. Sweden won one nothing. I don't know much about this game. Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch it. All right, so one nothing Sweden. Sweden, the only team out of uh, Group E, the team, the Germany group yeah. that made it out of the quarterfinals. They're left. They're holding that flag. Impressive by them. They're usually a team that makes it, either doesn't make it out or barely makes it out and gets knocked out. So good for Sweden. Switzerland played really well. They played that Brazil team very tough. And they made it out of their group stage in first, pl- in second place. Second. So I mean, they had a good chance. They just didn't make it. Colombia, England, the three lions played another game decided by penalties. Trash game. And again, another game that really wasn't that interesting because not, not at all. Harry Kane scored on a penalty, and then Colombia scored in the ninety-third minute. Great goal off a corner, if y'all saw it, and then a beautiful header. Like you couldn't have dr- again. Like we said. A lot of goals off set pieces uh, this World Cup. Beautiful one to tie it. So England, like, England had it in the bag, but then they got beat on a set piece, which is ironic because early in this tournament, England has really shown their way, affinity, th- for, their set affinity for set pieces and their efficiency with it as well. They've been so good at converting them that they got burned on a set piece. 
by Mina, who is one of the best players for Colombia and a future very good center back for Barcelona. And this is another goal that if you haven't seen, I highly recommend you see, because he literally just jumped over the England defense and headed that bitch in the goal. Beautiful header. Couldn't have drawn it up better. So then again, they played the entire time. They made it to penalties. England pulled it out. Four to three. Yo, uh, what's what's their goalie name? Uh, he had a really good Austina? save. Uh, England. Oh, uh, Pickford. Pickford, yes. Young guy. Coming up, though, had a really good uh, penalty shootout. Yeah, Jordan Pickford's really good. Yeah, no, he's really good. So I just wanted to shout him out because he had a really good penalty shootout um, to, to win England's first ever in a World Cup. Uh, or in, I'm pretty sure in a competitive play ever. So shout out to you, uh, Pickford. I'm sure you got a lot of drinks. So, I mean, we night. got three penalty shootouts all on one side of the bracket. So that kind of shows you that, like, this other side of the bracket is just kind of like a toss-up. Yeah, like three of the four went to penalties. One, the biggest team left got upset. Two, and then Colombia and England were two big teams. And Colombia lost, so that leaves Russia, Croatia, which I picked Croatia. I think you did too. And then yeah. Sweden, England. Like I don't want to count Sweden now because Sweden's been playing well, but yeah. England and, Eng- and like we said, and like Olin said earlier, England's early right now in this World Cup. They are in the same World Cup like a. Uh, progress is France where like they have a lot of young talent and you expected them to just you know make it to the round of 16 maybe make yeah. it to the quarterfinals and bow out for uh just for the listeners I just wanted to chime in on this real quick uh yeah. France and England are similarly in a in a I guess a, a reset is what I've been calling it um France after they won the World Cup in 06 uh in 10 didn't make it out of the group stage and they kind of reset their uh, national team a little bit um, England, the past 12 years, haven't made it out of a knockout round, uh, which is sad because we had some good teams with Rooney, uh, but really were never able to convert uh, when the team was young. So now you're starting to see the fruits of the of the reset. Uh, both teams have really good young talent. Mbappe on France, uh, Griezmann, uh, England, Lingard, uh, Kane. Kane, the, the youngest. Golden boot winner right now. Yeah, golden boot winner and youngest English captain ever. Uh, so a lot of young talent on both squads, and they're uh, both are a World Cup early. A lot of their young talent is 22, 21. Uh, you would want to see them around Neymar's age, 26, 25. Uh, so usually the next cycle would be their World Cup. So it's good to see these teams uh, that are uh, developing young talent and were on resets, uh, bearing the fruit of their labor a World Cup and they're early. one game away from being in the semifinals. Yeah, so, so, yeah. And both have a good chance. I think England's going to make it out just because they have the, the talent. And Harry Kane has shown the fuck up. Harry I said Kane he had to, up. and he's had a great World Jesse Cup. Jesse Lingard's been playing well. Their defense, led by John Stones, has been doing a great job. The midfield with Eric Dyer and Jordan Henderson has yep. really been steadying. Uh, Rashford's come on and given them impact minutes. Uh, got his penalty, which is big. Yeah, so I mean, England's England is showing a lot more promise than we anticipated. And I think we can anticipate, not anticipate, I think we there's a very good chance we're going to see England in the semifinals against Croatia. And then the next, and then obviously, like we said, our predictions. I picked France, picked Uruguay against Brazil. Could set up a Brazil England final, which would be really interesting. But we just wanted to get you guys caught up on the quarterfinals. Uh, we're gonna once the quarterfinals are done in the next few days, we're gonna come back as quickly as we can on July eighth or ninth. Yep. To bring you another Red and Blue podcast because the semifinals start on July tenth. Mm-hmm. There's one on July tenth, one on July eleventh, and then July fifteenth in eleven days. We're finished with this World Cup. So 
it's been really exciting. I think now we're getting into that gritty time where let's see if those top teams can rise to the top. Yeah. And on the next World Cup, uh, when we get into the semis, we'll kind of just break down our predictions, get into a little bit more tactically of what we think of each team. Uh, obviously, recap whatever has happened. Uh, so yeah. if Russia wins, we're going to have to do a lot of research. Yeah, we're going to do some research if Russia wins, and we'll be picking them. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Russia, yeah. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> so Russia's got a lot on the line here. Yeah. I know they're listening. We're, yeah. we're rooting for you guys, but I just can't in good conscience pick you. I don't know anything yeah. about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so thank you so much again for listening to us. We really appreciate any of the support that we have been getting. It's been fun doing a second podcast and having Olamon's as there as another host and we're going to be doing this more this isn't just a world cup podcast yeah no we're gonna we i wanted to announce it uh closer to the end of the world cup but i guess the cats had us back we're gonna plan to try and uh keep this going into the premier league obviously me and graham with our teams being manchester united and man city uh we watch the most premier league so that's what we know the most so the uh we're gonna touch on the other leagues for sure just because we love soccer but uh after the World Cup, it'll mainly just focus on transfer news before the Premier League starts. So you guys yeah. can uh, gear up for that. We'll probably yeah, we'll break down like the transfers from the big six teams, and then any surprising ones from the other teams as well. Yep. Because Premier League is very deep league. The top six teams are good, but there also is a lot of hidden talent found in uh in the smaller clubs. But again, thank you for listening to us. Uh, Olam, you want to give us our plugs before we yeah, go? Yeah, okay. So as usual, I'm just going to plug everything. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you can find updates on everything Tree City uh, at treecityrecords.com. You can join the Tree City uh, street team for updates on all things Tree City. That's uh, podcast, music, art, uh, whatever we're doing in the city. Uh, you can get all updates through the Tree City street team. Uh, find us uh, at Tree City Records on every social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud, all That's the good stuff. That's where you're going to find their, uh, their albums and their singles. Yeah, all singles, all albums, everything is on Tree City Records under all social media, on SoundCloud, everything. Uh, follow us. Uh, and tell a friend to tell a friend if you fuck with us. We really do appreciate the support. Uh, make sure to check out uh, Graham and Andrew's podcast. Uh, they just put up a new episode about LeBron leaving. So if you're into basketball and all the free agency madness, definitely check that out. Um, yeah, and thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. Peace. Peace.